every once in a while we get people that'll kind of come in and be like, so uh, I heard you guys like worked for the CIA. Uh-huh. Is that true? One, we wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, we wouldn't right. be able to tell you. <laughs> but, that's, but that's, you know, that's not a rumor. We'd have we, to kill you. If we, yeah. <laughs> no. It's a fun rumor, so we don't ever shoot it down. But like, right. just kind of like, can't really talk about that kind of thing, you know? Like, it's whatever. Come save us if you don't hear from us. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. All right, y'all. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Um, This is April. I kicked Kenny out because we talk too much when it's just the two of us, and this one is kind of long without us. So we're going to get right into our interview this week. Um, it's with Covert Artisan Ales and Cellars. Oh my gosh, the beer here will make you drool. So we've got some really cool stories heading your way from Stacy and Dan at Covert Artisan Ales in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Stories about beer, of course, and about how they got their brewery opened, of course, but also stories about military because they were both in covert ops in the military. So it's a great it's a fun conversation. Um, it's like we've known these guys forever. So forgive us if we just, you know, talk too much and have too much fun. But hey, you're welcome in on the fun too. And to get this started right away, there's no more needed. We're just going to get started because they've got a lot to say and we would love you to listen. So here you go. I think we should start with the cheers. Even though, okay. even though we always already cheered off the microphone, but like we should cheers and say, hey, yes, cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where one might not think you can find some good beer, but dude, you can find it. Mm-hmm. So we're here with Stacy and Dan from uh, Covert Artisan Ales, and that is exactly the name. It's their Artisan Ales. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the beer, but first we want to hear like your story, because you guys have a great, I think, in my opinion, an interesting story, too. <laughs> it's kind of a long story. Though. I mean, That's do you have okay. anywhere to be? We have a yeah, We have no, beer. Sure. <laughs> so... Uh, Dan and I met in Arizona. We were both former military. Um, can, we, can I ask where was it? Fort Huachuca? Yes, it was. Oh my Fort gosh, Wachuca. that's hilarious! Oh wow, <laughs> and, uh, she has history there too. <laughs> yeah, and so we were both um, intel, and uh, after we got out, we were both teaching soldiers how to use some software that we had used while we were in the military, um, and that was when Dan kind of introduced me some to some craft beers. Um, we. In Sierra Vista? No, so we were. <laughs> I was like, where did we you do were? That? We were um, part of like a traveling, uh, traveling oh, team. Okay, okay. Um, and so he he started introducing me to some craft beers. For me, craft beer at the time was Blue Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting a little crazy with the cherry wheat from Sam Adams. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't like most most beer. Like I was still, I still drank. Do you still drink it? No. Okay. Well, no, that's no. okay if you do, because we have stories about that too. But yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I remember we were we were somewhere in Texas, and Dan ordered a 120 minute from Dogfish Head, oh, and yeah. it was. I was like, oh no, this is going to be awful. Tasted it, and it was kind of like, this isn't terrible. <laughs> um, but I was I had gotten used to so. I had gone to school in France for a little bit, and I had gotten to 
have some really, really, really good Belgian beers. Uh, Chimay was there. Delirium Tremens was my mm. first real craft beer. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Um, and so coming back to the States and meeting Dan kind of helped, helped my beer education, I guess. <laughs> and she set the bar pretty high right out of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are pretty darn good <laughs> beers to have to be. That's your like intro to craft beer. I yeah, mean, yeah. It ooh. it did set it pretty high. Um, yeah. I, they're still up there as far as like oh, yeah. top top beers. Yeah. Um, so what did your love for craft beer then start from? Um, I don't know if there was like a set time when it first came about. Um, I traveled a lot, especially in the army. So. Anytime I had to fly through Ireland, I would always have a Guinness. Yeah. Um, now that's not necessarily known as like the, the biggest craft beer, but. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a good time, beer, but actually, actually yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's still good, but it's, yeah, it's still good. kind of one of our right. least favorite like stouts, really. Yeah. <laughs> the first time when I went, the second time I was in Korea, I remember going and ordering a beer. And I ordered a Red Dog, and they were like, it's 20,000 won. I was like, how much is that? And they're like, it's $20. And they're like, um, it, it's an import asshole. <laughs> get, get, get a Korean beer. It's <laughs> like, oh, all right. So, but I mean, Korea wasn't really known as a big craft beer kind of area, but uh, our Sergeant Major, um, his family owned a brewery in Korea, so we got to go on tours there and see the kind of process. And I had brewed before that, but I think that's kind of what it maybe rejuvenated it. And then we, I had to go to Iraq a couple of times and some other areas, and we didn't really get to brew that much. Um, then we lived in Germany for five years. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead. I was just there, I'd been stationed there for five years prior to meeting Dan. And so, you know, all the Pilsners, 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 Hefeweizen, Stunkelweizen, they're fantastic, but like five years of five heights go boat is <laughs> it's a little much. I don't know how the Germans have done it for 600 years. But right. right. I know. So we, we moved back to Germany together and uh, that was where we kind of reintroduced ourselves to Belgian beers. Yeah, we, well, we would go to Belgium. I would used to run a lot. Um, so there would be different races. We would go to Luxembourg, we would go to Brussels. Yeah, and even at the end of the run, you would have like a Lambic you could have. Oh, <laughs> that wow. was just part of it. Like you would finish and use your Lambic, like, oh, cool. And I would always run with a guy that just could never keep anything down. So I'd get two Lambics. <laughs> so he didn't want the other one. So it was always great too. Man, and here we went from like, okay, you get a Miller Lite at the end of your race to then, okay, maybe a fat tire, yeah. and you're getting Yeah, we don't get tires when yeah. we run here. Right. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was always fun. And but then you met the... Oh, yeah, there was a couple work assignments that I had to do in southern Germany, and it happened to be with some Belgian forces. And after a couple weeks... I was hanging out with a guy named Peter, and later on, one of his friends is like, "You know who Peter is?" And I'm like, "That's Peter." <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You're He's like, "Oh, soldier guy." <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he owns Distress Brewing. 
is, uh, and at the time this was like 2009, they were the number one brewery in the world. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means, man. <laughs> he was like, well, if you ever come through, like, um, let me know. And I think it took, yeah, it took us like a year to get back over. And then we were introduced to... Um, Distruce. Distruce, like bourbon. I have not ever tasted mm -mm, Yeah, They are out of Ost Flutterin. Because yeah. West Flutterin, like... Mm -hmm. Westies, West Flutterin is a bike ride away from Ost Flutterin. Okay. Um, and Where the would, Trappist Brewery is at, West yeah. Flutterin? And we would stay in Poporinge uh, at the, the um, bed and breakfast that St. Bernardus owns. Oh, and so the lady that owned St. Bernardus, or the bed and breakfast, uh, would rent us bikes, or not even rent them. She would let us borrow bikes, and we would bike out to West Flutterin, um, have sandwiches and stuff, and that was where we stayed to go visit our friends at, at Distruce. So. so there was always times that he was doing collabs with like big name breweries and I'd get to meet them and find out different techniques and styles and they were the ones that kind of got me into doing sours. Um, ironically, they were the ones that um, really got me into sours, like on having to use bacterias and such. And I know there's like Cantillon and you have Dre, and like you have all these other ones and Struce is not known for their sours. Um, they're known mainly for like their stouts and then okay. some of their Belgian strong ales. How do we not know that? Oh gosh, yeah. There's actually aren't stouts in our name. <laughs> oh, no. So there's there's <laughs> bottles for sale at Taylor's Pantry of Struce. Yeah. Oh, we've we heard just that. learned of Taylor's so, Pantry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we have to go there. I I don't know if it's ironic or fun or cool or coincidentally, but so our first uh, bottle release. Um, Taylor's Pantry purchased some of our bottles. It was actually the, the Dana that you're drinking. Okay. Um, different version, obviously. Um, and so they, they put it on the shelf right next to Distruce. Like oh, we didn't wow. know oh my anything about it, uh, but I had sent photos to to the to the folks there, and it was like kind of a full circle. Wow, that's cool. Really that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's did, did you know at that time that you might be opening a brewery or thinking about doing that? Or well, was it the brewer there... Um, it was just one weekend I had went up there. Well, we had went up there, right? But then I was just hanging out with him and an Australian brewer. He was like, "When are you gonna? When are you, you're ready? Why don't? When are you gonna open your own brewery?" Shut like, up and oh, do it. Well, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe we will. <laughs> so, Did that get it? Kind of was thinking on that, or was it just kind of a back thought? We did, um, but at that time we were still in Germany. And we decided to open a brewery with my parents. Um, in Germany? No. no. Oh, okay. And, it was like uh, uh, those, uh, what did we call those Iowa. laws? Reinheits can boot. Reinheits can boot. I don't know. Heisken we made up some name for it when we were being goofy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can never say that name. Anyhow, keep going. In Iowa. Yep. In Iowa. So we ended up doing that. But it just, we, we quickly identified that we wanted to do Wild Ales. Um, we that's wanted, how we ended up in Sioux Falls too. Like after all of the places and all of the things, everybody always says, "Why Sioux Falls?" Yeah, we're but, not from here. But still, why to South Dakota? We had moved from Germany to uh, from Germany to Austin, Texas, okay. where his daughter was living, um, and then we ended up opening this this brewery with his parents. And uh, we didn't really want to move to a town of twenty two hundred people after living all over. These fantastic places. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the town. Like, it's it's yeah. fine. 
but Sioux Falls was a lot closer to um, the metropolitan area, I suppose. And uh, we we moved here in 2017, and it was, you know, when when we decided to open Covert instead of instead instead of staying with the business there, it was definitely kind of a blessing. So you still wanted to stay kind of close to family. Um, no, I mean we are we we have a really nice place downtown, mm-hmm. so we weren't willing to give it up. And now, okay. um, so much of the real estate in Sioux Falls has actually been booming. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we would have ever been able to afford anything. It was perfect timing, mm-hmm. yeah. and we wanted to do Wildales. We felt like there possibly was a market for it. We found out that now that you know there's definitely a ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> how much wild ales they're wanting we're still working on <laughs> education i mean it's yeah. it's a big thing you know like teaching the differences between kettle sours and wild ales and spontaneous ales and mixed fermentation and so we're we're we get people that are like oh i love sours and they kind of mean i like those thick fruity syrupy smoothie sours, smoothie pastry sours. sours something. yeah i mean we do some pastry sours but we use real ingredients, so no extracts, no artificial artificial stuff, and so that kind of makes all of the difference flavor-wise. Like you don't have um, you don't have a like a, a seltzer where it's clear, and somebody maybe waved a fruit over it and said, "Yep, raspberry essence." You know, like right. it's if we're going to use a fruit, it's going to be there. It's not just going to be part of a flavor or a fake flavor. Yeah, we're, we're not the brewery that's going to sell you a glass of puree. I mean, others will, and people people really enjoy that, but we're, that's just not what we're going to do. We own it, so it works out. Yeah, so um, we have to do what we want. We're also, <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> we're also the ones that will say if it says, like we have a beer called Operation Dreamsicle. Okay. The intent is you're going to, it's marshmallows and uh, tangerines and blood orange. Um, but... We're not the ones that just put a little bit in and then just say it was in it, and then you kind of maybe taste it. We want you to taste it. What you say is what you get. Yes, Yes, exactly. I mean that's what I expect. If you're going to say something that is that, I expect to taste that. Yep. And we've we've had a lot of success as far as um, flavors like that. With like uh, we have a banana colada. We do um, the the dreamsicle. We do a a strawberry a series called say cheese say cheese that's uh, fruited cheesecake beers oh. um, and so just you know it which we won the mash madness which is a competition mm-hmm. in downtown Sioux Falls for beer in March yeah and so we won people's that choice also. very cool yeah. yeah how have you seen like the like the beer connoisseur the beer customer here like have you seen them evolve since you've been in business or honestly or is it still a little? Because you're not that old of a brewery either. You're you're only no. a couple years old, so. Um, I think the people that were really into craft beer before have um, certainly been a huge supporter of us from the very very beginning. Um, we've seen more people come in and say things like, "I don't like sours," or "I don't like IPAs," right. but then I'll give them something like what you're drinking and what you're drinking and it's yeah. all of a sudden like okay well these are these are delicious yeah you just gave me both in one glass right exactly <laughs> and, Basically. and so you know we have I I take a lot of pride in being able to find something for I would say probably like 95% of people 
you do get the, the folks that come in and say things like, I only drink, you know, um, non-craft beers. Like, what do you have that's like this? And it's kind of like, well... Water. We, <laughs> we have a dunkle. We do now. We do a lot. But now, I mean, we've, we've evolved. Yes. Like, the first year when we were brewing, we only did wild ales. Oh, really? So okay. we got our license in July of 2018, and our first beer was released in February of 2019. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was all conditioned in stainless steel. Yeah. And then we were filling barrels, like, constantly. We weren't brewing in the summer. The idea was we were going to brew when it was cold because we didn't temperature control. We were doing the most old school mm-hmm. technique yeah. approach. Going back to um, the Marzen, maybe, where it's like you brew in the winter months. So we were trying to brew everything we could, and then the demand was a lot higher than we were expecting, and we were running out. We had also thought that we were going to do distribution only, you know, kind of uh, support the local economy with, you know, selling our stuff to other places that could also sell. Um, but we, we kind of made a mistake, I guess. Uh, we sold low for one of our first releases and in with self-distribution you know we kind of passed the savings on to the retailer sort of um and so we saw beer marked up for almost 100 percent more than we had sold it to them for and it was kind of like whoa like (sighs) we're not gonna do that (laughs) so we opened up our own sort of pop-up tap room at the brewery that we did for uh we did that probably well for about eight months until COVID. Yeah. Did COVID make you force that change? Um, no, we had actually signed um, a lease for this spot in August of 2019. And we had in September maybe, and we had anticipated opening in, in spring of 2020. Um, so we, you know, we, we did pick up at the brewery, we did bottle pickups and delivered to different places if we could. Um, the local community really came out to support us as far as that goes. We had huge sales from just people wanting to support local, which was fantastic. You know, um, can't ask for much more. Yeah, no, that's really yeah. cool. I think we spent more money during <laughs> March, April, May of 2020. Yes. Yeah, there was craft a, beer. There was a lot of support. In yeah. But most of our customers were coming from out of state too. So really? we were getting people from Minnesota and Nebraska coming because there wasn't a wild brewery yeah. um, doing that. And then at one point I was playing around with different hybrid yeasts and bacteria. And that's how we developed our, our uh, mix firm one that we do that we don't temperature control. Okay. And we were able to do quicker quicker on our terms, quicker, like two months, turnaround beers, where everybody else is always about their like 17 day turnaround, right. what, what I can get in that yeah. tank. And for us, it was always a guessing game of like, okay, well it's ready, but we can't distro at all because we won't have any yeah. beer now. Or, right. And the market here at that time, and I think it still is that way, is what do you have next? What, I already have that keg. What do you have mm-hmm. next? What, what's new? Like, 
oh, well, that's, these are good for years. So yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It will change each month. Yeah. No. We, we kind of get that like on a, on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. And it's kind of like, well, to go to other places and ask like what they have weekly that's new. Like it's, we probably, yeah. We, I mean, we tried maybe, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I mean, that, guilty of that sometimes. That was definitely the thing for a while like because you had all these breweries coming out that were you know people coming from home brewing and mm-hmm. they never made the same thing twice because why would it's you what you don't sure, do yeah, as a home brewer you know yeah. most home brewers don't do that they just play and come up with new stuff but um, I guess with mixed fermentation wild ales and stuff it's it's a long process it's a long game it's like like you said a short time span for you is two months I mean what would you say is kind of a ballpark average of most of your what? Like, you can obviously make some clean beers that are mm-hmm. that are just the standard terms of a few weeks. We still have stuff in barrels when we first brewed, so we're pushing almost four years on some of the stuff that we're so doing. So you have some on. things that yeah. you haven't ever tapped into yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, uh, we have a beer on now called In Fate's Hands, where it's uh, 100% spontaneous Saison style. So it was only with the cool ship, and that's a two-year blend um, from when it was bottled. So you're looking really three years ago, those two. And For those that may not know what the hell a cool ship is, could you talk about it? Yeah, that little uh, is a process. Cool ship is like a really large bread pan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to I put it. I love how like people that. Yeah. describe it. Yeah. Um, instead of crashing your wort as cold as you can, to make it easy to uh, pitch your yeast, you basically just pump it into this bread pan. So we have a 150-gallon bread pan on wheels. I was going to say, it's a little bit bigger than a bread pan. Yeah, a little bit. It's a big bread. <laughs> yeah. That uh, now we have um, a window on the second floor of the barrel house where we just pump it up into that, open the window, and then let it cool the next day and just put it directly into the barrels and then plug them up and then usually anywhere from four to eight days you'll have to search for where the bung landed (laughs) it's just fermenting seriously isn't like beer so cool when you think of it that way it's just like oh my god that's so cool it's the the science behind it like is not you know i'm i'm not from a science background by any means and so just some of the things that that Dan has done with regards to um, finding our yeast strains, finding our, our lactobacillus and our pediococcus strains himself, like, that's super impressive to me. Um, and then just to continue the sciencey parts of it and continue, you know, teaching me all kinds of stuff about mm-hmm. how, how beer is done and how it's brewed. So, like, the, oh, one of the most well-known, like, you know, mixed wild fermentation one is Jester King in Austin. Yeah. But they open on, like, they have a farm. They yeah. have this huge space. Are you open on, like, the city streets of Sioux Falls? Or, like, where are you getting all of this from? Well, you can get... you're getting bacteria coming in. Yeah. Well, you can get beer. You can get any yeah. wild yeast is everywhere. And, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Are, so, you, are you in within the city boundaries? Of, yeah. 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 Partially but in we're, an industrial area. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, like, interesting because people are like, oh, my gosh, what am I drinking? Yeah. No. And when people are saying like bacteria is usually referred to as bugs, and right. some people yeah. are like, "Whoa, you're putting bugs in your beer?" Like, no, no, <laughs> bacteria, bacteria, like yeah. yogurt, but like bacteria. 
like Stacy, you mentioned that Dan gets he gets you know bacteria yeast from different places. It's like people are like, what? Wait, don't you just like pitch yeast? Well, yeah, you are yeah. pitching yeast, but so I'm assuming that you go out and you collect yeast off of different yep. like different trees, plants, mm -hmm. fruits, things like that. How does that like? Is there? Can you put it in kind of a little layman's term of like what you're doing? Like, well, the easiest way is. Because this is a little different than straight making a, a an amber or a brown or an IPA, a, a traditional regular Correct. beer. Yeah. This is a very different kind of brew. Well, it's it, it's the romance of it. You're using yeah. we we use local ingredients where we can, um, and local yeast is one of those ingredients and in local bacteria. But uh, the easiest way, a shameless, or not shameless plug, I guess this is a plug for Jeff, at Bootleg Biology, <laughs> they have like, okay. um, if you go to boot, Google Bootleg Biology, and you, they'll have steps of how, how you can actually do this. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So they'll even sell kits for it. Um, you basically will go and harvest, and you'll make a little batch of beer, and you let it go, and when it's finished fermenting, you'll... Just do slants on trays, and then you'll pull the different cultures from it, and then brew a beer. There's always <laughs> like, if the color is really bad, like orange or dark, a no-brainer is don't don't drink don't it. Use this. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it smells bad, don't drink it. Uh, <laughs> test the pH level. So usually you pre-acidify because um, there are nasty things in the world. Right. Like botulism is is an actual thing. So you want to pre-acidify down where it can't exist in that environment. And then you can add some like hard alcohol into it. So that way you already have a set amount, so bacteria or mold doesn't want to actually exist into it. So. It's not great. It's, yeah. What's I like the computer guy? Yeah. The computer guy doing, <laughs> yeah. doing bios. Yeah, I love it. What's the like, that you, or at least what would you think that most people would think is the weirdest thing you've ever got collected yeast from? Um, like the weirdest plants or I don't know, pine cone maybe? Wait, oh, you really? were just telling me about off mic, you were talking about the, what beer was that that you said you got it from the pine cone? Was it? That's most of our, our wild. Okay. Well, Dana is definitely. Dana, oh, which is what yeah. I'm drinking. So what is yes. Dana? Tell me more about Dana. Dana is an American wild ale, uh, dry hopped with Nelson Sovan hops, um, using our wild culture that, that uh, Dan created uh, way back in 2018, before we even had our, um, our licensing stuff, we were we, Dan, was... Uh, oh, just claim it. Right? <laughs> I, mean, I was there when we, when we collected the pine cone. Um, I picked the pine cone up. I, <laughs> so all over our house, we had little mini fermenters yeah. <laughs> behind yeah. the, the couch uh, in closets. That yeah. was, um, just all over. Just one gallon jug. This isn't yeah. something... <laughs> Not shit, maybe we should have been doing the podcast at your house. Right? 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 Like well, no, now I'm only down to two. <laughs> now, so, but um, yeah, it, but it's one that I wanted to ensure that the culture would last for a good while. So, once I finally got it to something, you would brew a batch of beer. I had one in the garage, one in the closet, and then one behind the couch. So, you're different variables of temperatures okay. and seeing how it was turning out because you don't want acetobacter where like you have vinegar that could come into it. Where did this knowledge or desire come from? Like technology you said, now you're like doing biochemistry and all these different scientific 
Well, I mean, I think a lot of it was when uh, Urban from Struce told me about that. It showed me it was bacteria that was coming into it and blending. And then you, you learn, you learn that oxygen is not your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not just because it will oxidize or, but it will turn to vinegar. <laughs> like you can get, um, actual bugs are not your friends, fruit flies are not your friends. So spiders are good. <laughs> spiders are good. <laughs> so you definitely want your brewery or brew house full of those. <laughs> if you have barrels sitting around. They kill the bugs that you don't want in your beer. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the big thing that I was going through after that was, okay, now how does wood react to it? Like mm -hmm. the spirit itself, um, if you put a second beer in there, how long is it going to take for, you know, the bacteria to sour this beer? Or do I need to top it off? So there's different releases that we've done showing like, oh, okay, well, in, in my brew logs of like, oh, okay, it didn't sour as fast this way, but we released it and this was more popular than this one. So, okay, maybe sales definitely did um, make adjustments on what was, it's a business. Um, now, yeah. In Fate's Hands is like our pet project that we do that despite even if it doesn't sell, we're, <laughs> we, right. we like to do our version of Lambic. Um, we didn't do a method, traditional method. Uh, we like to say that we did method modern. But, method uh, modern, okay. Um, Jester King does one. I mean, if you're Spawn. bringing beer, you don't have to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy's bringing more beer. <laughs> so this is the Infate's Hands that he was talking about. Which was the Infate's Hands. Oh, okay. Spontaneous. And that definitely has the fun Sorry. <laughs> no, well, you're bringing beer, you don't need to be quiet, let me tell you. And they're serving these just like beautiful glassware and... Well, a lot of our glasses, well, a lot of our beers, they're more on the lines of what is very similar to what wine is like. Mm -hmm. So that's usually why we use wine glasses for that stuff. Yeah, have you noticed like... People who come in, you know, oftentimes I found like in a lot of breweries, there's one partner that is maybe more of a wine person or not really a beer drinker, but they're coming along with the group and stuff. And like, have you noticed a reaction from wine drinkers that they maybe appreciate it quicker than some no, traditional beer drinkers? Or? I think the reason for that is because a lot of winemakers back Sweden and then they'll add um, sulfites to it. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's just accepted in the wine community, but it's not something that we, we do for wild okay. ales at all. <laughs> it's, you, want it, you want that dry aspect of it. That's mm -hmm. what, it's one of the big areas of that beer. Saisons are the same way. Like you don't want this Saison that's super, super sweet. No. You want it dry, mm -hmm. you want the peppery, you want mm. all the aspects that you get out of it. We do get some wine drinkers that'll come in. The um, fruited ones, hope. The, yeah. the fruited ones. Uh, the I keep coming back to Dana because it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, but because that's it's got the Nelson Sauvin hop, like it's got that kind of white grape characteristic. And so it also drinks more like a, it's more of a dry than a sour. Mm -hmm. So a lot of wine drinkers kind of look at that as like a, a nice little, uh, 
substitute, I guess. Yeah. For for wine. Um, and same with the vanilla BBC that, that you guys tried earlier, because it's more of a, a dry. People, wine drinkers kind of look at that as like, okay, you know, I can kind of accept that for for a place that doesn't have wine right now. And you can get some really funky um, mm-hmm. wines mm-hmm. that are pushing the limits of like what people were associated to sours and saisons and farmhouse ales. All right, so what else do we have here? Yeah. This okay, is a really, okay, tell us. So you had In Fate's Hands. Okay. Uh, that was the spontaneous to your or a blend of two different barrels. Um, you know, you always have to pull nails and try barrels and see how, oh, yeah. how they turn out. Uh, so for somebody who's maybe a big craft beer geek, but maybe, you know, hasn't been to Sioux Falls, yeah. would you say Jester King line of, like something like this would be similar to a Jester King type of I mean, I'm going to let you say that. I, I would. I would say huge, it. Huge. I would. Huge compliment. That was exactly what I was thinking when I well, tasted that. Because they do a lot of spontaneous it's, beers, mm-hmm. and they'll take, like you did here, you probably took a couple different batches yep. and blended it yep. in different. Yep, I mean, Jester King is where I really learned to appreciate these different types of beers, and like that's yeah. one reason why we we're like, oh my gosh, we have to go to Cover. No, it, <laughs> Sioux Falls has definitely uh, become a, a beer destination. You know, like yeah. we, we have people coming from Omaha and Lincoln and Minneapolis. Um, just to just to have beer in Sioux Falls. It's well, people don't even like really. If you think if, if you ask somebody, I don't know, way in the West Coast, the East Coast, or somebody like Sioux Falls, and they're like, well, who fly over? Huh? Yeah, like you don't even think about it. Yeah, exactly. Sioux Falls, like yeah, yeah. it's, it's starting to become. And I love that those stories where just these small cities mm-hmm. are starting to become a name. Yeah, and craft beer destinations. Well, South Dakota has over sixty breweries in the yeah. state now. It's, it's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just here around Sioux Falls, at eleven, and yeah. there, there's a lot of different character to the breweries. Like yeah. you guys are definitely very distinct. I mean, I mean to be honest, you're very distinct across the country. There's not a lot of breweries doing spontaneous and wild ales, especially yeah. to the extent that you guys are doing it. You know, definitely you're in that league with Jester Kings and Hill Farmstead. Is it, and like Rough House, and there's a ton of farm breweries and uh, destination breweries outside of Austin. Band, I mean. Yeah. Well, is there the crazy thing is South Dakota actually has three breweries that do spontaneous sales. Really? What so are the there's uh, well, a so homestead, homestead, and then there is yeah. also Woodland Republic. Where's they that? Have a, it's in Rapid City. Okay. okay. So they yeah, have. Spent a lot of it's time. in the tap room. You can see the cool ship. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's oh, good. Like that's in a, a dedicated room yeah. for it. So. Do you guys want to try this? Yes. One? Okay, we have another Absolutely. one. We got another okay. one. So <laughs> we want to try this one. That is. A, I'm sorry. That is a dumb question. There are no dumb <laughs> there questions. Are dumb that questions. is a dumb question. <laughs> yes, I want to try that one. <laughs> so that is called just my magic. Oh, look! If you look, you can see the fox kind of forming on the top. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, from the nucleation. So. Yeah. <laughs> that is called Just My Imagination. Uh, we did a beer um, our first year called Comfortably Plum, uh, where a, a customer had given us 100 pounds of those little wild plums, and we, uh, we made a beer that was a spiced plum sour. We used um, hand-processed all of the fruit, uh, and those little plums have those little teeny tiny pits in them that are just ridiculous. Uh, but we hand processed them, cooked them down into a puree, added the spices. It smelled like Christmas in the office. Oh my gosh. Um, 
and so added it to the beer. Uh, then we did a cranberry version called Just My Imagination, um, and so Comfortably Plum, obviously, a play on uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, so Just My Imagination is a song by the Cranberries. Um, but Dan hand processed uh, all of the cranberries for this as well, turned it into a sauce with all of the spices again. Um, and so we've done the uh, Just My Imagination and Comfortably Plum a couple of times, and they are, it's, they're fantastic. Um, Winter we do them as uh, heated. Uh, it looks fantastic. A glue beer is like a warm, we heat it up. Yeah, like a hot people beer. People can drink oh. it in the glass mug that we have. So we were, when we were living in Germany, we went to one of the, um, the, the uh, Christmas markets. Wait, I have to take a picture of it. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, the Christmas here. market. I'm grilling yes. over it. Yeah. So we, we went to one of the Christmas markets and somebody had a, um, a glue beer. That it was a, um, it was a lambic, a raspberry lambic that somebody had created hot and added spices to it. And it was amazing. And so we always kind of said, you know, no matter what we do in the future, if we ever decide to open a brewery or whatever, even if we just make it at home, we're gonna make a glue beer. And so that was kind of um, when we when we did the second version of Comfortably Plum, we tried it hot and it was it was ridiculous. It was so good. And so this is the just my imagination, the cranberry version. Can, can you tell people what I'm doing? Oh my gosh, if you could smell this, you listeners. I'm holding it up to the microphone, but the smell is phenomenal. Kenny's yeah. dying for it. I am dying yeah. for that one. I it's, do want to taste you know, and one. just we we talk a lot about like pairing pairing beers with foods and I mean turkey, come on now. Big um, Thanksgiving. Well that is completely oh, yes, yeah. this is a Thanksgiving. Very beer. good. Yeah. Around the Christmas yeah. Imagine Thanksgiving time. Cooking mm. that in the office. Like that's mm. so Dan does a lot of, of hand processing fruits. Um, we try to get as as much local fruit as we can. Um, and regional we've done uh, a rhubarb sour that they've they've processed hundreds of pounds. <laughs> You're shaking your head when yeah, we didn't do it uh, yeah. last year or this year. Yeah, it was. Um, I've always been trying to avoid that one because it's, <laughs> it's still a lot of work. It is. It is. Yes. Have you ever tried to juice a rhubarb? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't recommend Just it. Cooking it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you we so we tried to do um, whole puree and juice but taking whole and making the, those forms. So you're doing them at different stages into mm. it. So when you're making rhubarb sauce, instead of adding water, we like to juice the rhubarb. And that's your water that you're using to make the sauce, so. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Covert. I wanna delve a little bit deeper into like where the um, name came from and like your geez. whole. There, okay, so Dan and I were both military intel. Um, we were 96 Bravos, which means we and it's changed over time. We were Intel analysts. Um, you know, the, the whole um, motto is find, no, and never lose the enemy kind of thing. So um, lots, of, lots of learning about the world and how it, it interacts with other people. Uh, we both went to Iraq a couple of times. Uh, we were deployed. Um, I was there from 2003 to four and five to six, and I think Dan was there three to four and five to six as well. So this is before you guys knew each other? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so we just, we, we had the same job title, but Dan's, Dan's world was so much different. He was part of um, 
a Black Hawk unit, right? And so he he did a lot with like maps and did a lot of like um, geospatial kind of intel stuff. Uh, and I I was with a much bigger unit who did more of like the bigger picture of things. Um, and so that was kind of where the the covert comes from, um, you know, like mm -hmm. secret spy kind of stuff, I guess. She totally did like a little dance. Yeah, covert secret spy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, my unit's nickname was Sly Fox, and so that's where the Fox logo Fox, comes okay. from. Um, Dan actually made that super cool piece of art. Oh, he made that. Yeah. So I'm telling Beautiful. you, like the guy, the guy is insanely talented um there's there's a picture on the on the, on our website so just look it up listeners yeah it's cool uh so when you when you create um messages um you know secret top secret classified whatever they are color coded based like based on the the like you've all seen on on probably online or on tv like the big red secret stamped on something oh, yeah. right, right. so that's where yeah that's where this stuff comes from. Um, so the blue is confidential, green is unclassified, red is secret, and orange is top secret. And so we brought that over as well as sort of a nod to, to our Intel background. Um, I've only ever had two people know what that was, but it was taking our, our background into account and they would say like, oh yeah. They followed it with nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the, the geometric shapes um, and the clean lines of all our all of, all of our designs are, are a nod to Dan's geospatial um, background as far as like vectors and lines and you know, just super clean, super, super simple. Um, and so Dan does all of our, all of our design um, our logo, our labels, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we have a, <laughs> every once in a while we get people that'll kind of come in and be like, so uh, I heard you guys like worked for the CIA. Um, Is that true? One, we wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, we wouldn't right. be able to tell you. <laughs> but, that's, but that's, you know, that's not a rumor. We'd that have we, to kill you. If we, yeah. No. It's a fun rumor, so we don't ever shoot it down. But like, right. just kind of like, we can't really talk about that kind of thing. You know, like, it's whatever. Come save us if you don't hear from us. <laughs> yeah, so it's, that's, that's where the logo comes from, and that's where the covert comes from. Um, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our names our beers are sort of a nod to some of our experiences um, we've got stuff like adjudication like when your clearance is being adjudicated um, operation dreamsicle MK Ultra MK Ultra mm -hmm. that was a CIA program that was they would a CIA test program. LSD on people oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah, so this could is there LSD be in very interesting no. if, I, if I bring the sticker and show it to the right people Oh, we did. Uh, Could be some things going down. <laughs> Scattered castles. We did a beer, and the actual—it's a classified database that they hold people's clearances. Um, the CIA has, and they actually reached out and said, "Hey, can we get some labels?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, I thought you were going to say you got a cease and desist from no, the CIA. No, How cool like, would that oh, be? Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's if, going on the wall. I work on this program. <laughs> can we? Uh, can I have some of those labels? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think cool. that would top it, though, like a cease and desist from the CIA. How awesome would that be? Seriously. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. No. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get a piece of paper. From the they would just come in and cease and just, desist. You would be, be gone. Like what happened to the Close sign on the door. <laughs> um, yeah, so just 
some of the names, um, a lot of the attention to detail kind of stuff. We have a, a beer called Pod Squad, um, and the, the label for it is... Um, and this is, okay, and we're going to get like super military nerdy on you. Please there's, do. Yes. <laughs> so there's, um, when you are plotting out like the, the battlefield, I guess, you have uh, symbology for each of the units and equipment and, you know, the size of the unit and where they are and whatever, like friendlies, um, enemy forces. And so, uh, symbology. yeah, it's, it's symbology. And every, every Intel analyst has to learn it. I know a lot of other units have to learn it as well, or other jobs have to learn it as well. And so <laughs> there's bottle. Okay, yeah. So the, the designation for a friendly unit is a rectangle. Okay. And so that's what that is. The dot above it means the size of the unit, and this is a squad, which is nine people. Uh, and that's sort of a nod to the fact that Dan used nine types of vanilla beans. Um, the <laughs> there are nine there are types of vanilla. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. Ways. Okay. The uh, the vanilla on the side on the center is an indicator of the equipment type, I believe. Where? The vanilla, right? Yeah. And so vanilla is the the equipment, right? Or type. Or yeah, or type. And then this is the MGRS or Military Grid Reference System coordinate for the brewery. This location. For this location. Wh which one is? The the 14 Tango. Hop okay, got it. I see you right there. Yeah. So you put this much thought into this label. I just have to teach this. So. For, yeah. for so, 10 people in the world. Yeah, as I recognize this. It was in there. So it wasn't yes. like super hard for me. It was kind of like, oh, I better make, get this right because somebody that I know somebody is going to tear this it. apart. Oh, so. yeah. Um, and so that was, that's the kind of detail that, that Dan gets into. It's pretty special. Okay, and this but beer is it a week. But this beer is also like barrel-aged stout conditioned with nine different types of vanilla beans. I'm like melting as I read that. And it's 13.6% ABV. It was. It deserves a label treatment. Yeah. Okay, so you were both stationed in Iraq. Where is all the craft beer then? That's the big top secret thing I need to know. Where is the craft beer? Out of all the questions you could ask about our Iraq, you're asking where is They're the not going to tell me the other stuff. So it's hiding with the WMD. Uh-oh. I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's with the weapons of mass destruction. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shows you how military I am. <laughs> Not yeah. very. Yeah, so that was... <laughs> Not very savvy. What brought you into, like, the military? When did you get into the military? I went oh, in... Oh, my story. Yeah, yeah mine's... Uh... I think he just keeps passing it off so you can keep talking. Oh. <laughs> and Dan can keep drinking. So my story... Uh, I've kind of, I'll, I'll try to keep it shorter. Um, <laughs> he laughs. So I was, um, while I was in college, my last semester I was doing a semester abroad. I was set to go to France, uh, Lille, France, which is like the northern part of France, just out like the, um, the hexagon is what they call France. And okay. it's like the northern part right where Calais is, where the channel is gonna go, okay. um, close to Belgium. Uh -huh. Um, and so we, <laughs> I had been attending my going away party the night before. So lots and lots of shots and beer and drinks and mm -hmm. all of the things. 
Um, and I woke up the next morning to a phone call from my mom saying that I needed to turn on the TV immediately. Um, and so I turned it on and all I saw was all of the news about 9-11. Oh, um, and so I was just like, oh, shit, okay, I'm also still drunk, so I'm gonna go back to sleep, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, and then um, she called me again and she was like, no, get up, like pay attention to this, get up. And I sat up and I was like, Osama bin Laden. Like, I mean, that was, I was studying like politics and like that kind of stuff. So that was kind of something that um, had always been taught, I guess. Uh, but so that was like the first thing. And, you know, my, my roommate was like, who? And I was like, this is bad news. And so we were just kind of waiting for, uh, we were supposed to leave for France on September 13th. Um, but the airports opened up on the 14th. And so that was the first day that we were able to fly. Uh, I was in Phoenix, and so going to the airport, um, you know, just three days before, like, you could have gone anywhere and taken people to the gate and do all right. the other things, and then, you know, all of a sudden there were armed military at all of the gates and doing all of the things, and, like, just a huge shock, right? So, um, I flew into JFK as my connecting flight to Paris. And uh, you could still see in the distance the smoke. And so it was kind of like a surreal, you know, you get into the airport and it's super quiet. I mean, just very surreal and very serene. And just, I mean, like, what are you, like, what are you supposed to think about and expect? So um, flew to New York and saw saw the smoke still. I mean, that was so far in the distance, too. Like, JFK is not super close to downtown. Um, and then flew into Paris, and just everybody there was so kind, and, you know, just a lot of, like, uh, you know, we're so sorry about the Twin Towers and this and that, and it was, it was very cool. Um, my first week there, uh, a, f a new friend, a, a school colleague or whatever um, she and I were going out for dinner and we went into this one restaurant where these guys pretended to shoot at us and I was like okay time to go uh, so we left um, another time I was uh, going out to meet some friends and my to get to the downtown area the family that I was staying with I had to take the metro to like the main train station and then I could walk wherever. It wasn't too far to the bars. Uh, but, um, you know, when you're in college, you're invincible. Yeah. So I had gotten off of the train station and I had stopped to ask somebody for directions and they basically told me I was crazy for being out by myself, um, especially being an American and a woman. And I was, of course, like, well, screw you guys. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna do what I want. Uh, but it was um, the second week we were there, uh, we were talking with the school, um, he was our liaison through the university, and we had, one of the girls that I was going to school with had uh, gotten a notice from her mom that Roubaix, which was, you know, the last stop on my metro line where one of the other girls was staying, was the largest Al-Qaeda cell in France at the time. And so that was kind of like, 
Oh, shit. Um, another time, uh, and I was only there for three months, um, another time I was in the metro and I was just talking to my mom on the phone and this guy came running past, like running past me and up the stairs followed by like probably 10 to 15 gendarmes, like fully armed. And one of them stopped and came back to me. He was like, miss, you need to stop speaking English down here. It is not safe for you. And I was like, okay, whatever. He was like, seriously, like this is not safe for Americans right now. Like kind of just cut it out. So got off the phone and I went back to my, um, my homestay. And then uh, <laughs> the last day of school, um, I finished classes on like December 15th or something like that of 2001. And so we had gone out in celebration, like it was my last day of college, yeah. right? So we went out for celebrating and, you know, in spite of all of the things that everybody had said, um, I was on the metro by myself at like two o'clock in the morning coming back from the clubs. And uh, this group of guys was sitting in the back of the car and I was kind of by myself. Um, there were three or four other people on the, on the car with me. Um, and these guys were like, hey, are you, are you British? And I just kind of looked at them and I didn't really say anything. Um, and then they were like, are you American? And like, that kind of got my attention. And so I kind of looked over at them again and I was, you know, I didn't say anything. And they were like, we love Osama bin Laden. We pay Osama bin Laden to bomb your country. I got off the metro and my stop, which was thankfully the next stop, ran, like it was, ran in my club gear with my boots and like all my things, got to the house, uh, called my mom and said, I'm coming home coming home now and uh, she said okay you know um, we'll, we'll work on it like we'll take care of stuff <laughs> so uh, my original flight was supposed to be the day that the shoe bomber was in Paris so I had changed my flight to leave a couple of days earlier so uh, <laughs> when I got back to the States, um, I was kind of like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the, at the time, people were getting, like, thousands of dollars to translate um, documents that were found, you know, like, um, and I was like, well, I could do that, like, I, you know, I speak a couple of languages, maybe not well, but, like, I could do this, um, and so I looked into joining the military, and found the army was going to be the best option for me to choose my job and I did that whole sassy thing where I was like okay and I can't believe I actually said this to people too like I know what I can do for my country how about you tell me what you can do for me <laughs> but I mean and it was like I I swear if somebody had said that to me today like that you would say this I'd be like no but um so I enlisted and um, joined the army and left for basic training a few weeks later. So that's how I. So 9/11. Wow. Yeah. Are you in there? How long were you in the military? Uh, six and a half years. Okay. I did almost five active and then a year and a half in the reserves. Okay. Wow. Sorry, that's a long story. No, I was. Oh. Yeah, at that time. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. My drill sergeants called us crusaders, and I was like, come on, man, like, it's not, whatever. So what do you say to people when they say, like, thank you for your service? It's, how, how do you feel about that? It's cool to hear. Like, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, not everybody serves. Like, I, I think that's kind of a cool thing that people say thank you. But also, I don't know how to react. I mean, like, it was literally my job. Yeah, it's our job. You know? Okay, so, yeah. Like, like that, was, that was what I Thank you for driving. Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? Uh, that's kind of what you think. Yeah, yeah like, you're thanking me for something yeah. that is just, like, yeah. You know, like I knew what I signed up for. <laughs> you you can thank teachers for doing great jobs. They do fantastic jobs, um, and I feel sometimes more like that's more of a thing to thank people for, right? Like they they teach people all of the things that they need to be in the future. Like to me, that's more of a more of a noble thing, I guess. I, I, think a, I think a lot of Americans though do see it as you're like helping to maintain the freedoms that we have. So that could get into a long discussion. But a lot of people see that as that, so they want to like do the one thing that it's very easy to do is thank you and buy you a beer. No, and that's honestly like yeah. it's it's absolutely appreciated. It's, yes, it's fantastic. I love you know that people people. Uh, you know, recognize that not everybody does that. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that, you know, people take the time to say thank you. Um, but it's just, it's awkward. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you're welcome. You know, like. I think now I get more, you were in the military? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? really? You? Like, like that? Like, huh. yeah, just, oh, yeah, all right. Well, yeah. you've got yeah. long hair, <laughs> beard. Yeah. Yeah. You make wild beer. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd still say, though, like, if people come across people in the military or a teacher or a first responder or whoever it is that you think you should say thank you to, say thank you. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, that's that's on me to feel uncomfortable. That's well, not and then you. also, I guess you it know? goes on to the point of the person saying that should also understand the person probably doesn't know how to say anything back to you on it like oh yeah and from their perspective what, what do you mean i'm doing i did my job i chose this path this wasn't government dictated on me like we weren't drafted yeah. the government didn't say you're going to be a teacher yeah. you're going to be a first responder yeah. right. you chose that path um we've never been the ones that tried to get business from it or try to get free things from it well, so we try to support yeah we definitely support well we support people in general yeah. mm -hmm. so we support yeah. veterans we support all communities so I mean and beer brings about dogs. some serious yeah. community and dogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like it uh, so are you gonna like follow her story like where did your interest come in from the military how did you get into it <laughs> <laughs> we have total different stories <laughs> So we go from that drama to <laughs> to work yours, uh, but that I guess. Drama, drama sounds like it's downplaying it, though. No, that I'm was not. Like, no, 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 no. Wow, that was <laughs> that was a pretty dramatic situation. That was it was intense. Yeah. So when I, mean, I joined, I, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat the whole time, going like. I know. Wow, and Stacey's stay, stay way off in the distance pouring more beer because we're still drinking beer. Saying Dan's story is way different, so we're gonna hear Dan's story. So when I joined the military. 
the only thing that was going on was Korea. So I volunteered a couple times to get it out of the way. But why I joined the military, um, there was a deal where if you were arrested, you could have your record mismatched. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Laughing. For that. So yes, I had an underage drinking charge and it went away. And that was the whole reason. Man, that's that's not as juicy as I was hoping nope. for. And for the longest time, and I was the like, Ooh, "Where concern, is this going?" The biggest concern was I have to cut my hair. So, I mean, how old were you? Okay, then? I would have been in the same. Uh, well, actually, I was seventeen at the time. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, so. like seriously, come on, yeah. you're a totally different person when you're. Yeah. Well, the army changed me. Totally for the good. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Stacy's filling another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're small pores, but we're tasting everything, and they're all so just exactly what you say they are. Okay, so this is called Project Inclusion. It is a rainbow sherbet inspired hard seltzer. This is your not shitty seltzer. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> she said that off mic. I thought that was hilarious. Because, you know, you get people that will come in and they'll see seltzer and they're like, Ugh. I see one of those people. It's not yeah. clear. Oh, it's not clear. Yeah. <laughs> I have to agree this is a not shitty seltzer. Thank you. So the whole concept wow. of doing these was we had individuals asking if we had any gluten-free mm. options. So we went with doing... Seltzers and really they're spritzers because we're using we create inverted yeah. sugar in house and then we're adding roll fruit to it. So okay, that makes all the difference. So that was our Pride beer this year. Last year we had asked um, the Sea Falls Pride Committee if we could do a beer for for Pride, and um, it was a friend of ours. And I was like, you know, can we do a beer? And he was like, well, what do you guys have in mind? I was like, a rainbow sherbet obviously and he was like okay you know we'll talk to everybody mm -hmm. and uh they had said make you know can we make it a gluten-free beer and so we did the seltzer and called it project inclusion kind of you know for all of the reasons it's gluten-free so everybody could have it it's a pride beer so you know celebrating celebrating yeah. that community and everybody you know so this was the second year that we did that one i would drink the seltzer Last year it was a 10% seltzer. Oh, wow. It's down a little bit this year. So it's easier for me to do higher gravity beers for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. So do you guys like cocktails? I mean, you're beer folks, but have you ever had a painkiller? I do not know what that is. So it would kill some pain? Yes. Pineapple, orange juice, and nutmeg. Right. And cream of coconut. And cream of coconut. What do you get? Like, okay, that sounds wow. like a cocktail. What do you call this? It's also a seltzer. It's painkiller. That one is very good. Thank you. So we uh, we named our our um, hard seltzer series Faint, F E I N T, like a military faint, um, <laughs> because we had always because nobody expected us to. Yeah. We had always said do. we're never going to do a seltzer. Like that's <laughs> nobody would expect. We did it. spritzers. <laughs> And so we, um, last year we were going to release our first one on April Fool's Day. It's kind of like a... <laughs> we're never going to do a seltzer right? and then, yeah. Yeah. Um, but kind of the joke was on us because it wasn't ready for April Fool's Day. It took another month. 
Shit, that's good though. Thank you. I was just gonna say I'm disappointed in ourselves because last year we were right there, which across the, literally across the alley is Monk's Ale House. We get that a lot. And I'm like, how on earth did we not make it over here? We hit wrong days. Is that it? We didn't plan well on the days that we were here. Because I think you had less hours. We were close on Mondays and Tuesdays. I think that was part of it. And We didn't prioritize the beer tour through Sioux Falls <laughs> last year. Mm. We focused a little more on family. I suppose that's not this a wrong thing. Nope. No. <laughs> Probably <is> not. <laughs> so this is, let me make sure, Camp Brick. So Camp Brick is our brown ale. Um, it's a German chocolate cake Our only brown, brown. ale. That is not a brown ale. <laughs> Our that only brown ale. So we'll never flavor. do another. That's so, the joke. <laughs> just so you know, April, <laughs> April brown is the one that every time we sit down and I'm like, oh, I want to try that brown ale. So, yeah. it, they're okay. just kind of muted. There's just like this, with falls. general brown ales, they're just, they're brown. Like, that is not a brown they're ale. They're dark amber beers. <laughs> taste that. No, taste that. So our, we have an employee. His name is Brock. Um, I'm going to call him out right now. Sorry, Brock. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And, uh. His, That's his drinking name is Brick. Brick Brock. Brock Brick. Brock Brick. Brick Brock. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, he was always like, you guys should make a brown ale. You should make a brown ale. So we did. It's Camp Brick. Just Camp well, Brick. Originally, it was going to be Brock. I made a brown ale. <laughs> Quit asking. A brown ale? <laughs> Quit asking. Yeah. But then he was like, can you, can you name it Brick? Yeah. <laughs> so we named it. So... For our stout series, just the the base stouts. Which is this? Like that's the base stout. Um, we call that pillow fort, and the it's like fort and base and camp and. So the base recipes I had was pillow fort. Um, this one was pillow camp, the brown base, and then the even higher one is called fluffy town. It's just <laughs> so just guys, <laughs> just guys, yeah. <laughs> So German chocolate cake inspired. Yes, it is. The chocolate uh, coconut. Mm. We roasted so pecans. Roasted at, pecans across the street. Actually, at Monks too. Oh really? Yeah, they yeah. always use the ovens. That is hard to do. To get all pecans? the oil out of pecans. We yeah. So we homebrew too. We did that homebrew. We we um it was our first completely off grid, right? We weren't plugged in or anything. We did a pecan pine porter. And it was in um, Arkansas, okay. outside of Hot Springs. Hot Springs, Arkansas. And so he did the pecans around that area and like roasted them like four times probably. Yeah, I think I roasted them about and four times because I, every time because I, I put them on brown brown, brown paper bags, mm -hmm. and every oh, time oh. I roasted them, there was so much oil in the and on the paper. I was like. I gotta keep roasting these because yeah. that's gonna ruin the head on the yeah. yeah. Well, I and mean, then that's right. something that you just have to you accept that you're not gonna get head retention. Yeah. Well, and then we, where we were at, it was outside this mountain biking trail, and we're like three miles outside of um, Hot Springs National Park. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like they had these lodgepole pines. Cedar glades. Yeah, cedar glades, and they had these lodgepole pines that he took like just fresh. They like had the, some pretty new growth on them. That he took out of there. And I did it as like a light hop edition, basically, just like oh, a handful of cool. needles and broke them in half, and then. 
Interesting. Have you been it's to like, the area at all? No. So hot springs. Instead of you, like pouring it through and filtering it right. out of your oh, boil, no. you could have had the pine. I didn't bed. have my axe to chop chop down a tree. And I mean, we're in an RV out. with no power or anything, and but the, the water came from in I'm hot springs. So hot springs, Arkansas. Um, they have like water fountains that you can just go get water that mm-hmm. comes straight out of. Out of the it's ground. Out of the ground. Oh, that you awesome. can like bring your jugs and fill it. It's oh, I assumed you got hot springs water, like hot water from the mm. springs. You didn't even have to heat it up. We did, a little bit. <laughs> we did use that water, but we did have to heat it up a little bit. Yeah. There's, but there's a brewery, a brewery there. there. It's one of the it's the only brewery is it mother's? Uh, Superior uh, Bathhouse. Superior okay. Bathhouse. It's the only brewery in a national park because it's oh, in the crazy. national park itself, but it's also one of the only breweries too that brews with the water that comes straight. It comes out at 140 degrees. Yeah, it's potable water, comes water, water that comes straight out of the hot springs. That's cool. And yeah, it roses. So they're the like brewer. almost a temp coming out of the ground. Wow. <laughs> right. It's not something you say after that. We need to go to get there. Like it's really, and it's so in this fun. old bathhouse in like the like the forties mm-hmm. where like Al Capone and those guys would go. Oh, so it's in this, in this old bathhouse. So it's they, got history like, to it too. Yeah, that's a really cool place. No, but that's just that whole hand processing the fruit stuff. Like we just the. The cons, the plums, the cranberries. We just did um, apricots. Next, like the monks next door um, has let us borrow their their ovens a couple of times to do oh. stuff, and so oh, we. That's really great. Yeah. Um, there was a we got a bunch of whole apricots, and some of them they just were kind of lacking in flavor. So to coax it out, we put some brown sugar on them, and then baked them for about twenty minutes. And then we pitched that into um, a wild beer that we pulled out of one of our 150-gallon punchins. And then, but you baked it over at Monk's Alehouse? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Damn. Besides, like, the, no, I'm just oh, like, you were the there too. Okay. Yeah, I'm just like, that's really was, cool. And then uh, we, so each day, at the end of the day, I have to go to the barrel house to do punch downs because all the apricots are floating and you have to punch them down. I mean, it's it's never fun when you're like, you want to go out for some wine. I'm like, man, who wants to help me cut some apricots? Nobody's (laughs) like, oh yeah, nobody comes. I've abused all my friends before with the rhubarb days. (laughs) Come after the rhubarb days. Or another bottle when you get here. Like you should do that rhubarb beer again. You gonna help? Yeah, we, we can do okay. whatever beer you want. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you live in downtown Sioux Falls? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, at least you're close. Because I'm like, your, sec- your first home is probably at the brewery. Pretty much. Yep. That's one thing I have noticed is like, every once in a while, it seems like everybody has the same idea for the same beer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a pineapple upside down cake that we were doing. Um, but Trekker out of North Dakota mm-hmm. had released theirs. I think like the same week or the same week, week before yes. <laughs> that right. we were gonna do ours and then uh, severance actually had one as well um, that they were gonna release and so we postponed ours a few weeks which made severance postpone theirs a yeah. few weeks oh, but it was you know it was kind of one of those things like well what did you it's like do we all have like microphones and, <laughs> yeah because yeah. it just you know sometimes it happens like that that everybody just kind of has a an idea that comes out at the same yeah. time, which is kind of cool. 
And we don't. We scanned, so we don't have microphones from yeah. anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> if we learned how to do that in the CIA. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, you probably know how to do that shit. <laughs> Covert, man. Yeah. Those covert operations. Friends from the NSA. <laughs> <help now>. yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, well, on that note, I think we should do a cheers. Oh, I'm just thinking. Charge an empty glass. You have to. Cannot cheers an empty. A pop a bottle of something. Oh shit! Okay. As soon as he said rye, I'm like, okay. So we did a, a beer oh, based off of a no bake cookie. Um, Peanut butter and chocolate. Damn, that sounds looking at that. Coconut. Yeah. This? this was our first stout that we released. Um, yeah. When did you wow. make this? This is the first stout you did. 20... Okay. No, this was the second. We did a cellar stout, Vegas. Oh, aged yeah. aged it in pork barrels for two years. Oh, gosh, that was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that sounds good, too. This is the second one, then? Yes. Yeah. This is the first non-sour stout. stout. Is this still available to... No. Okay. okay, so we're special. You're not. But you get to listen. I'm talking to listeners. No, okay, whatever. No, no, I'm telling the listeners they're not special. They, yes, are, they special. are special. They get to, you they get to, to hear us talk about drinking this fantastic Barrel-aged, no-bake, rye barrel-aged imperial stout conditioned on toasted coconut, peanut flour, cocoa nibs, and a blend of rye whiskey and rum barrel-aged coffee. Um, cheers. Can I drink this? Yes. <laughs> well, it's only 14%. Thank you, guys. Whatever. Oh, Thank my goodness. Thank you guys so much. Oh, my gosh. So do you guys ever practice the toast of, like, uh, we learned in Germany that, um, and you know, tap on the table, but when you toast, you look each other in the eyes. Otherwise, it's a year of bad sex. Oh, shit. Oh, crap. Wait, wait. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Cheers. <laughs> And never cross swords. Okay, wait, never cross. <laughs> never cross hands while cheering. Oh, yeah. never cross hands. You're not looking at me, the one person who's going to have sex with. <laughs> oh, okay. No, 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 no. Just, look at that just, one. No, just when you. You, whoever you choose. <laughs> we had friends it's when we. Not what they thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> when we first moved here, we had some friends that we introduced that to, and it was, it was a, it was a. Um, a friend and her friend and it wasn't our boyfriend and so we were like okay now like you guys have to look each other in the eye or it's bad sex for a year and they were like i don't want to sleep like, with them not. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like no 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 that's not how that works it's like you have <laughs> okay so i've told the story a million times but anyhow it's still really funny along the same lines so we had a uh, another friend who we interviewed in, in denver strangecraft and tim and we were interviewing him and he was telling us a story about like, so you know when you like cheers and you tap the table, he was like, I never understood why you did that. And so his friend explained to him, well, it's because like you cheers to those who are here and those who are not. Oh. And he was like, well, they're not here. Why do I cheers to them? We're here, they're not here. And like his friend was like, because they're dead. Yeah, it's, it's not He's for like, the ones oh, that didn't come. Yeah. They're just not around. I'm like, they didn't just show up. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. was that was hilarious when you said that. <laughs> this is so good. Oh my gosh. I will say it was better fresh. Was really? it? Was it? It's still delicious. I don't it's know, but it's yeah. fantastic. Oh, it's very good. Thank you guys so much. Of course. This was like Thank you guys. It's so much no, fun. This is, yeah. These are the conversations that we love when you're just talking. <laughs> okay. 
So since I kicked out Kenny from this podcast just to get it done quickly, I mean, we both just really re- agreed that we should, you know, just kind of get the beginnings and the endings done quickly because it is a long podcast, but it was still too much fun and there wasn't a lot to crap out. But anyhow, where I was going with that was to say, it's kind of funny that, you know, Kenny's not here because I kicked him out, air quotes, um, but to say, you know, cheers to those who are not. But thank goodness he's like here, but not here on the podcast. But maybe we should say a cheers to Kenny, but cheers to Kenny. At any rate, um, we hope you had as much fun as we did. We hope you're drooling because I'm drooling again, listening to that again. We tasted all those beers. Uh, You guys need to get your asses to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to Covert, and all the other breweries around there. And you get to taste all those beers. In the meantime, currently right now, we are um, just outside of Traverse City in Michigan. And we got a lot more beers to go taste. So it's time to say see ya. Uh, Also, of course, you know it's coming. We have very limited tickets left, very few left for our event, Camp Carpe Diem, C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com, coolest adult camp ever. We're going to sell out. If you're thinking about it on the fence, just buy it. It's right around the corner, October 20th through the 23rd in Brevard, Asheville, North Carolina. We're so stoked. All right, got beers to drink, got bikes to ride. Here comes Traverse City. Cheers, y'all. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.